This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. As we remember the 9-11 attacks this year, it is somewhat difficult for me to grasp that it has been 20 years since those attacks. There are volunteers in our systems and we are now hiring firefighters that weren't even alive on 9-11. That can be a sobering thought. Today we're going to be talking with uh, a chief who's, who is chairman of the International Association of Fire Chiefs Terrorism and Homeland Security Committee. But first, a word from our sponsor. At MSA, your health and safety drive us to develop highly advanced safety equipment to protect you on the job. MSA's Globe Gear is performance and protection in perfect balance. It's designed to meet the challenges you face every day to help keep you safe and healthy during your career and beyond. Get the full story at msafire.com globe. That's msafire.com globe. Chief Sam Greif is the fire chief of Plano Fire Rescue in Texas. Sam began his uh, career as a paramedic in 1982 and joined the Fort Worth, Texas Fire Department as a firefighter in 1985. There, he worked his way up through the ranks up to assistant fire chief of operations. After 30 years of service, he retired from Fort Worth and was then selected to serve as the fire chief of the city of Plano. Plano Fire Rescue is an all-hazards metro department, which includes EMS transport. Sam currently is chairman of the International CAD Consortium, chairman of the Board of Trustees for Medical City Plano, and as I indicated in the intro, he serves as the chairman on the Terrorism and Homeland Security Committee for the IAFC. Chief Greif, thanks for joining us today on the Side Alpha Podcast. My pleasure, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to to the discussion, and it's uh, a pleasure to and an honor to actually get to represent uh, the Terrorism and Homeland Security for the I-Chiefs. Uh, as you know, it's a an all-star cast that I get to serve with, and uh, uh, this is obviously a very important topic and was still relevant in our nation, and so I'm happy to be here, so thank you. Uh, outstanding, and, and you're right, it is a, a, an all-star cast, if you will, of folks that are uh, trying to wrestle with all of the topics that are related to um, terrorism and the responses that go along with it, the stuff that we have to deal with all the time. As we're speaking today, it's it's late August as we're recording this. We're coming up on the 20 year anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks, which certainly puts terrorism and homeland security top of the mind of the firefighters every time this anniversary comes around. I know that I can remember exactly what I was doing. And, uh, you know, one of those things that I'll never forget, I vividly recall watching smoke from the Pentagon rise above our western horizon. I was in Prince George's, Maryland then, um, a very surreal experience. Um, so as we transition into this discussion about the Terrorism Committee, can you kind of give us a, a bit of your background in that terrorism and homeland security arena? Uh, yes, sir. I, uh, like you, I, you know, I think certain things get etched in your mind. You know, whether it's you were around for an assassination of a president or a space shuttle 
uh, explosion. And so I, I too remember that day vividly. I was on a business trip in, in Reno and uh, of course they're behind several hours from the East Coast. And uh, I received the phone call, my phone was blowing up and it was just a screaming voice on the other end, turn on the TV. So, it, you know, you just, it's, uh, it's like it was yesterday in so many respects. Uh, as far as my role, uh, you know, as again, coming up through the ranks and I was the ops chief in Fort Worth. Uh, that was one of my main responsibilities was uh, making sure the department was prepared for uh, any type of, you know, uh, terrorist or man-made uh, or natural disaster type situations. And uh, obviously, as I come over here as the chief of the department, it's Although I've got a great cast around me, the ultimate responsibility still resides with me to make sure as we're prepared as we can be. So, uh, you know, we, we have to stay uh, diligent at all times. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and I, when I was in the National Capital Region, Chief McGee from Prince William, Virginia, was um, worked on, on the committee, worked pretty closely with all of us and, and the other IFC committees. So I'm pretty familiar with uh, the committee, but for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about the IFC Terrorism and Homeland Security Committee and, and you know, kind of what the overarching mission mission of the committee is? Uh, uh, certainly. Uh, again, I, you know, I'm in awe when I sit in, in the room or when we have our, our meetings of, of the talent that is around me and, and just literally icons in the fire service that I have the pleasure of learning from and, and being with. Um, the overarching goal, obviously, is ultimately the protection of our communities. Uh, but we do that basically through more of a conduit of providing the, the chief officers and the leaders in the fire service with the tools necessary to uh, help combat and respond to any type of terroristic attack. Obviously, um, anytime you're preparing for a major event, you know, the good news is, is there's some crosswalk there uh, in the fact that the, you know, I'll take the things that happened recently in, in the Florida area with the tragic building collapse, um, whether that was a bomb that caused that to collapse or whether it was natural causes, uh, you know, or not necessarily natural causes, but, uh, you know, not, not purposefully done, the response, the preparation and the response and the mitigation and the recovery are the same. So there's, there's, you know, a lot of synergy to be had, but, you know, our overarching goal is obviously the protection of our communities throughout our, our nation. Uh, but we do that by trying to equip our fire service leaders with information and tools that would be, uh, you know, at their fingertips, so to speak, or to bring it to the forefront of their conscience to think about uh, and provide them with some, you know, uh, toolkits, as we call them, to help them achieve uh, the the level of preparation and, and preparedness that they need back home. Yeah, and I know, you know, there's, I know I'm inundated with emails of um, information. And, you know, we talk about the lapses in uh, intelligence for 9-11 and the other places. Sometimes, uh, you know, the, the accusation has been that the uh, some of the intelligence may have gotten lost in the emails uh, lost amongst the intelligence community, even in an overload of information. So I, I recognize that farming through that, all of those tools and all of that information can be difficult. And I suspect that's part of what your committee does, right? Is, you, is you're distilling a lot of this that is directly pertinent to fire chiefs and distilling it down to 
the level that they can use and not have, you know, 16 layers of security that they got to go through to figure it out. Right. Exactly. And trying to, as you said, you know, distill it down, you, you try to boil it down into uh, pertinent information, but easy to access information. Yeah. Uh, to read formats uh, and what we call toolkits to where it's, you know, obviously, as you said, we get inundated. We all do with with numerous emails and there's pick any subject when we talk about terrorism and protection and you can get inundated with www dot fill in the blank after that. Sure. Trying sure. to give them, you know, for lack of a better term, like one stop shop where you can go. And then from there, you can go as deep as you want into those various uh, resource opportunities. But we try to keep it more to where it's, you know, easy to grasp and, um, you know, again, just uh, user friendly is, is the best way I can describe it. Yeah. And so let's talk about one specific one. And I downloaded the latest uh, terrorism response checklist for fire chiefs, uh, it, which is a great resource for our readers. Um, it will be in our show notes, uh, but certainly they can go to ifc.org to check it out um, in, in under the tools. So if you go to the link that will be in our show notes, you'll be able to see this. Can you fill our listeners in a bit about that and you know how, how they can use that checklist? Um, certainly. Uh, the, the checklist is, you know, it's a 64-page document, which at first sounds overwhelming, but it's a very easy-to-read document. And, you know, one thing I want to say about checklists real quick is, uh, a lot of people think, well, I don't need a checklist, but, uh, you know, think about a, a, a commercial airline pilot. I mean, I don't know of anybody that they're the consummate professionals and they still use a checklist before takeoff and landing, uh, even though they, you know, wrote memorization, they've done it numerous times. So I think the checklist for all of us is, is a great tool. But this particular document is broke into basically five major sections uh, that helps you assess uh, prevent, prepare, respond, and then ultimately recover uh, from incidents. And so it's literally designed, it's, it's any department from small to large can use this. Uh, and many departments may find that it's a roadmap that can help them. Uh, the, the suggested time frame is about 18 months to complete this. Now, some departments may be way ahead of that. Uh, some may not have the resource to quite get there, but, you know, it gives you a framework in which to work within. Um, and it, it literally lays out not only, you know, basically how to assess and how to go about that. Again, each one of these sections gives you templates to look at and basically uh, check off, you know, do I have this? Do I have someone working on it? And then it breaks it into even, you know, further as far as uh, you're, you're currently working on it or you haven't even begun, you know, you've started it or you've completed it. And it allows you the opportunity to, uh, you know, really just go through each area uh, with due diligence and to be able to assign people to it. Uh, I found it to be, you know, one of those things that uh, you always want to think your department's doing what it is, but I've assigned it to various uh, deputies within my department, broken into sections to uh, go through and make sure that we are meeting uh, the, the suggested content areas uh, for each one of those five areas. Yeah. No, and it's good stuff. It's so it's a self-assessment, really, for um, a department to to go in and, and do that uh, down and dirty look at what they're what they're ready for. So again, uh, the the link to that will be in our show notes for those that want to access that, and they can uh, they can pull it down or go to ifc.org to the tools, and you'd have to navigate through a couple of places to get to it, but you'd be able to find it there as well. Can you talk about uh, any of the projects that? 
key projects that uh, the committee is working on right now? Uh, you know, obviously we've, we've uh, kind of a reset 2020 uh, COVID is uh, certainly like, you know, everything yeah. else in our nation is, has prevented us from, from uh, being able to meet as often as we'd like. But uh, one of the first things we're looking at is our strategic plan and reevaluating that plan and making sure that it is still pertinent, uh, that it's meeting the needs of, of our nation's fire service. And, and if we need to tweak it, then we're going to be tweaking it. Some specific things we've been working on, uh, obviously, cybersecurity. Uh, <laughs> I know a lot of people are like, the, the, they just want to hit the snooze alarm when they hear that term, but it's more relevant today than it's ever been. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're working toward that, but we can't take our eye off of, uh, you know, uh, active threats uh, because they're still happening in our nation. So I, those are the, you know, we're still actively working and those those problems evolve. And so uh, our assessment and uh, mitigation opportunities, uh, they have to evolve as well. So, you know, we're kind of working on a myriad of different things at all once. But I would say one of the main ones that we're trying to tackle right now is uh, the cybersecurity aspect. Yeah. And, you know, let's let's uh, get a word in here from our sponsor and then we will pick up right there with cybersecurity. Um, hopefully, like you said, people aren't hitting the snooze alarm on it because uh, all you got to do is look at any of the uh, politics and things going on in the world to understand how important cybersecurity is, uh, not only to our nations, but to our fire service. So let's uh, let's get a word here from our sponsor. At MSA, your health and safety drive us to develop advanced safety equipment with performance and protection in perfect balance. Like the Globe Guard Hood, which offers head and neck particulate protection with exceptional comfort and fit. Reduce bulk under your helmet and uninterrupted hearing for critical situational awareness. It's designed for the health and safety of what's underneath, and that's you. Learn more about our hood's features and particulate blocking efficiency at msafire.com slash globe. That's msafire.com slash globe. So we're going to shift into cybersecurity. And, um, you know, we talked just a little bit about before uh, we had the ad there. We were fortunate enough to have you speak at Fire Rescue One uh, at a Fire Rescue One Lexpo webinar earlier this year that delved into the issue of um, cyber attacks on public safety agencies. And for those that did not get the opportunity, we'll put the link to that in our uh, show notes as well. So you'll be able to get to that checklist and to the webinar. Uh, by going to the show notes. So with respect to cybersecurity, can you kind of give us some, what are some of the biggest threats facing public safety agencies and, and why has this threat ramped up so much in recent years? I think the the biggest threat by far, and, and, and you know, we're all seen it here of late, is, is ransomware attacks. Uh, yeah. Because obviously, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that people understand when we talk about public safety and ransomware attacks, Although there's numerous public safety agencies that have come under attack themselves and been locked out of their systems. And you just think about how technology has, you know, just literally woven into the fabric of the fire service. We don't, you know, we joke that we're, you know, 150 years of tradition unencumbered by progress, but nothing yeah. could be further from the truth. We all use uh, technology every day, uh, whether yep. it's, you know, patient reporting systems or CAD systems, 911 systems, it runs the gamut. 
if any of those are attacked, uh, it, it makes it extremely difficult for us to do our jobs. But we also are impacted when the private sector uh, is attacked. And I think the pipeline attack is a great example of that. Uh, whether it's something as simple as we ourselves have trouble getting fuel for our vehicles, uh, not simple, but I mean, that's one of the immediate things that would happen. But the traffic jams that happen, uh, you know, just the cascade effect that an event like that happens. So if something happens to our electrical grid, you know, no matter what, when bad things happen in society, the fire service is going to be intricately involved immediately. So uh, these cyber attacks, um, you know, it, it can be very expensive and obviously it's profitable for the bad guys, uh, which is, you know, why you're seeing more and more of it. But there's also a marquee value to taking down a public safety agency because nothing strikes fear in the hearts of the public than the thought that when the bad things happen, uh, public safety won't be there for them. Right. And so it's imperative that, you know, we all do our part to, to try to, you know, really think about the vulnerabilities and things that we can do to help uh, a prevent them, but also how to respond when it does happen, because, you know, they're going to keep trying. And, and I don't think there's any such thing as, uh, making yourself bulletproof permanently uh it's an evolving uh you know uh target if you will and we're going to have to continue to stay up with uh techniques if you will to combat it but again in my opinion we have to think about when it does happen how are you going to respond the show has to go on and uh, we got to have you know uh, mitigation but response capabilities built into our thought processes when we think about how to uh, overcome cybersecurity issues. Yeah. Can you give our listeners a few specific but maybe simple steps that uh, they can take or should should be taking uh, to better protect their agencies and their members? I think sometimes we think about our agencies, but we forget about the individual protections. And um, where can they find resources to help them with that? Well, uh, you know, I'll start by saying, you know, Think about uh, we all have a part to play, whether you're, you know, the newest boot on the fire department or whether you're the chief of the department. And so, you know, we need to be thinking about making sure that we continue. You know, we don't just talk about how to throw ladders or, or hose deployment one time and stop. You practice those things. So it's important to practice good cyber hygiene, uh, making sure that, you know, you, you talk a lot about the importance of changing passwords and, and having multiple uh, identification processes. These do slow down. I will admit that, you know, anything that adds a layer that makes it a little bit more cumbersome for us to get to, to the computer to open it up or check our email or what have you, that's also making it much safer. So, I mean, we have to in institute those, those uh, hygiene habits. So I think making sure that you continually talk to your workforce about don't open up suspicious, uh, you know, uh, attachments of any type. Uh, don't respond to the phishing, you know, especially the, the bad guys are getting smart about, you know, they'll send an email out. It'll look like it comes from the fire chief uh, and it'll say, you know, I'm in a meeting. I need you to contact me, you know, uh, respond back to this. And, and those are just opportunities for them to try to penetrate the system. Uh, so it, it's really just teaching and making sure you partner with your, your IT departments. Hopefully most cities have an IT department. If they don't, uh, there, there's a plethora of information out there that goes way deeper than what I'm, I'm giving you. But to your point earlier, Chief, when you said there's so many emails and so many different ways that 
you know, you can get inundated. So rather than give people a lot of different places to go, I, I'm going to suggest they go to a one-stop stop, which would be CISA, which is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. It's a standalone federal agency that folds up underneath the Department of Homeland Security. If you just type in CISA, uh, it'll take you right to the website. And from there, you can get as deep into the prevention uh, techniques that are available, um, you know, the terminology that you need to become familiar with, uh, and some of the best practices that are out there. So I, I'd recommend that as kind of a one-stop shop rather than inundating people with three or four different ways to go. You hit that one website, you'll get everything you need to, to, to learn and know about cybersecurity um, up to the latest standards that we're operating under today. And we'll put that in our show notes. So for our listeners, that's CISA.gov. So www.cisa.gov. And that's good. Sending them to one place. I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you giving us that. Can Can you speak to any of the steps either that your department there in Plano or the IFC has taken to ward off potential cyber attacks? So you know, what is it that you're doing, or what is it that IFC is doing? To help ward those off, of course, without giving away any <laughs> uh, secrets, if you will. Sure. Um, well, obviously, at, at the committee level, uh, you know, we recently, uh, it's been, you know, last uh, year or so, we came out with a, a toolkit for chiefs, uh, as we called it, to help uh, with some of like the, the best practices and things that they should become familiar with in respect to cybersecurity. Um, we partnered with uh, AMU, the American Military University. Uh, has the Army Cyber Institute, uh, and we went and, and we've worked with them on some best practices and things that we need to be aware of. There's been numerous tabletop exercises that have been done, uh, Jack Voltaic exercises, they're called. Um, got to participate in those, and we've encouraged chiefs to get involved. Um, so, you know, at the national level, I think we're really focusing on partnering with your law enforcement agencies. Uh, if you're not if you don't know where your fusion center is at, get, learn where your fusion center is at. These are Google searches that you quickly can learn this information for your jurisdiction. Find out where your nearest fusion center is. Uh, I'm going to encourage people to uh, know who your FBI agent, special agent in charge or your local rep is before you need them. Uh, I meet with mine. I'm, I've got lunch scheduled at the end of this month, as a matter of fact, with the special agent in charge here in Dallas. Um, Getting to know those folks, they're very accommodating. They'll share information with you, uh, but you want to make sure you, you know, like we've always preached about, uh, know who your partners are in a disaster before you need them. The cybersecurity is no different. So at the national level, that's kind of what we're we're concentrating on is to make sure that we, you know, really push out the intelligence aspect of it in partnering with law enforcement. Uh, they, we can learn a lot from them. They learn a lot from us and. Uh, that cross-pollination will, will help all of us be, be better protected. At a local level, um, you know, we're, we've done a lot of stuff. We're in the uh, process of uh, going through and doing the, the multi-step identification, uh, you know, where you got to have more than one way to, to access uh, your email account or the, your computer the network. Uh, we do a lot of education. We, we do mandatory uh, where you have to go through and watch, uh, you know, uh, a video on cyber hygiene. Um, you know, we'll even do some stuff. We, we've, uh, you know, kind of, we don't punish people, but to reinforce, hey, you just made a boo-boo, you know, we'll actually send out um, 
emails that are phishing emails to see will they properly respond to it by reporting it as a suspicious email mm-hmm. or will they fall into the trap of actually doing it and you know it's not to beat anybody up but it's to say see this is what we were talking about don't do this and reinforce that training to them so again this is you can't talk about it one time and then uh, you know let it go away i mean uh, technology is evolving the bad guys uh, are evolving in the way they go about trying to penetrate our, our networks and so our our education has to evolve as well and constantly be looked at but uh, you know we're we're doing the typical Everything that, like I said, you know, you see recommended if you if you go to these websites, I think our agency has been very good about it. You know, if you come if I get an email from outside my network, it has a big yellow banner across the top of it, which immediately tells me it did not originate within my city. So even if they've tried to mimic a legitimate email address like the city managers, that's the telltale sign. It really didn't come from his uh, is because that yellow banner. And, you know, we do ATP scans on any attachments that come in just to make sure that, that it's clean before you open it. So I think we're, you know, we're about as good as anybody, but we are far from arrogant enough to think that it can't happen to us. Uh, that's sure. why we put so much emphasis on it. Yeah. If any of us was perfect, we wouldn't need any of us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Sir. So, um, Anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners uh, before we do some takeaways here? Uh, you know, sir, I, I think just what you talked about earlier. I mean, it's we're hiring folks that uh, I certainly have some in my department that, uh, you know, we're either babies uh, in the crib uh, or in some right. cases not here yet. And yeah. it's easy to look. I say easy. It's, you know, I look at it from their lens and it's probably like me hearing my dad talk about Pearl Harbor. Um, right. 1922 so you know he vividly uh, he uh, he went off to world war ii so that to me was just a history book thing and so we're actually hiring folks that it was just a history book thing for them and and you and i lived it our generation and so i think it's imperative that we continue to keep homeland security uh at the forefront of our conscience and realize that it can happen again that there's always going to be those enemies and that we need to really make sure we're doing everything possible to a prevent it but b how are we going to respond to it when it does happen so i I guess that's my my two cents yeah and so you are your dad now (laughs) yes sir (laughs) yep there you go so let's do a couple takeaways here that we uh, captured from this talk with uh, chief sam grafe from plano texas he is uh, chair of the ifc's terrorism and homeland security committee talked about the goal of the committee, Sam talked about the goal of the committee, uh, really is the protection of communities by providing tools to chiefs and departments, tools and information for chiefs and departments uh, departments to be able to use. Uh, And specifically then we went into the uh, 64-page checklist. Don't let that scare you off. It's a great checklist. It's in the show notes. The link to it's in the show notes up here so you can go and uh, click into that. Uh, But that's broken into five sections to allow you to do a self-assessment And those five sections are to assess, prevent, prepare, respond, and recover from one of these kind of events. So it's a great opportunity to, um, um, you know, to use that to do that self-assessment. And Sam made a comparison to, um, you know, an airplane pilot. Despite an airplane pilot uh, getting in to uh, the cockpit, they always go through their checklist. And that's how we should be looking at things that we do, whether it's this as terrorism or whether it's May Day. Um, is, which has been one of my latest uh, crusades, if you will, that, uh, you know, we have a Mayday checklist we should be using. It don't, doesn't matter how many years you guys have been doing this, pull those checklists out and use them. And in this case, 
that checklist is up there, a link to that's up there in our show notes. And then we transitioned into a discussion about uh, cybersecurity and uh, specifically uh, ransomware attacks being uh, probably the most prevalent piece that's out there right now we're trying to combat. And Sam talked about uh, one of the best ways to be able to uh, combat um, the cybersecurity threats for from our perspective here is to practice good cyber hygiene. And some of the things we talked about with that is making sure that you're routinely changing the passwords. Nobody I know likes to change their passwords, but it's part of protecting our infrastructure. But changing passwords and having multi-factor authentication methods, um, those are important. And if you have an IT department, they're probably already doing that or getting that set up. Don't open suspicious emails or obvious phishing emails. Uh, and then he gave us the resource of uh, CISA.gov, uh, also up there in our show notes, that is um, a, a kind of a one-stop shop for cybersecurity uh, resources. And lastly, we talked about some things that uh, both the committee and Sam in particular at, the, at his department or his uh, community there are doing. And he talked about exercises and working with you know, tabletop exercises and working with law enforcement. He also uh, suggested, and you know, we don't say this often enough because you know we we're very reactive. But he also uh, suggested to make sure that you know your FBI spe- special agent in charge. Figure out who that is. Find out who that is. Reach out to them. Introduce yourself. Uh, get to know them so that it's not the first time you're seeing them when you're standing in the middle of a debris field. Uh, and then at the local level, uh, kind of a unique thing for w- for what I've heard, uh, talked about educating. Uh, staff through phishing email tests, where they're actually kind of a red team thing for those that remember the uh, the military uh, perspective of it, but a red team thing where they're sending out phishing emails uh, to see whether people are dealing with them correctly, uh, to see whether they're reporting them. So um, it's not a gotcha kind of thing, but it's just an opportunity to help drive home to people on a regular basis. So good stuff. And I hope our our listeners take away from it uh, some things that they can do. That's all we have time for today. Chief Greif, I want to thank you for joining us, and I want to thank our listeners for hanging in with us. This is Mark Bashore, Executive Editor for FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com. Have a great day on purpose. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.